Welcome to Making Waves, a program about sound art, produced by New Adventures in Sound Art for WGXC. In last month's edition, we featured Newt Offerman and Sarah Washington, who are visiting artists to Deep Wireless. And Deep Wireless is a radio art and transmission art festival that happens every May in Toronto. The sounds that you're hearing right now are from Canadian Radio Trilogy by James Bailey. And uh, today's show, we're going to include other aspects of uh, Deep Wireless, including an installation that's uh, called Body of Water, and it's um, perhaps timely for this um, very warm spring that we're enjoying uh, up here in Toronto. And uh, Body of Water is an invitation to feel the full sensory experience of a lake swim. A rich, watery soundscape plunges you into the all-encompassing sonic moment of entering water. This is the audio from that installation. It stands on its own. It's very radiophonic in nature. Body of Water by Veronica Simmons and Katie McKay. I go to the water alone a lot. I go to the water with lots of thoughts in my head. I go to the water to swim. I don't think I ever regret putting my head underwater in a lake. because that warms you up and then I flip over on my back and do the back crawl and then I do the breast stroke and then I do the side stroke Swim back and forth between this rock and that rock when I'm in the water I feel so good in the water I get to practice things that are impossible on land I have to use so much strength but I'm moving so slowly. Under the water, it's very dark. I feel things from under the water, and things that come tickle your belly while you're swimming. When I think about what's underneath me, if I can't feel it, I think those are times when I like try to dive down and see what's there, see how far away it is.
Yeah, when I'm in the water, I find things and imagine things. When I'm floating, I try to get like my whole body at the surface so that I'm half underwater and half on top of the water. I turn on my back and I look up and I feel an incredible sense of completeness. Being able to lie on your back and look up at the sky. So to be kind of a part of it, to be like a little blip in the middle of this serene thing uh, is just like aesthetically beautiful. And I think that like that's what makes it feel so good. I guess it's the vulnerability of being out there. I'm a little speck of difference in this like, smooth surface. When I'm floating, I look up at the sky and my heart feels more open. When I'm floating, sometimes I'm waiting for other people to get to me. <laughs> I wish I knew more about science so I could explain these sensations to myself or explain them to you now. It's always kind of pushing in on your body, so you're maybe more aware of your body. The only way I could describe it is like having infinite fingers slide like through my hair and against my skin. Why does the water take this shape in streams and waves? How does that happen? Getting out of the water is always a little bit like saying goodbye. And I feel refreshed, but conflicted. Yeah, just always wonder if it was time to get out. Body of Water by Veronica Simmons and Katie McKay. You're listening to Making Waves on WGXC. On May 22nd, Deep Wireless features a performance by Peter Fleming called Vibe Wave. And uh, Peter is not a, more associated with installations. Um, you usually find his work in a gallery, but he's been uh, working on a um, kind of an instrument 
that's based on exploring the natural resonant frequencies of different materials. So in this piece, he explores that of uh, piano strings as well as uh, plexiglass. He even uses AM uh, radio receivers to pick up some of the, uh, the natural harmonics that are in the air. And this is a kind of a demo performance uh, that you can uh, actually even see on his website at peterfleming.ca. <laughs> a demonstration performance by Peter Fleming of Vibwave, which will be um, performed at the Deep Wireless Festival on May 22nd in Toronto 
And uh, that weekend will include a Maker Weekend workshop with Peter Fleming, as well as Sarah Washington, Newt Offerman, Daniel Tapper, and uh, others exploring uh, different hands-on activities you can do uh, building stuff with radio transmission equipment and uh, electronics. On May 23rd, we have a performance of pieces using open airwaves by uh, Doug Van Nort, as well as a um, wind sensor-based piece by Elliot Feinberg. And that's uh, matched with a more traditional radio work, you could say, uh, more radiophonic in form. And this is by Sarah Boothroyd, called Castles in the Air. And explores using sound clips of various kinds as well as um, scripted text, exploring death and reason, dark matter and dreams, black holes and belief, fear and infinity. This is Castles in the Air by Sarah Boothroyd. Whether you are going to listen to this alone or with someone else, make sure you are not going to be disturbed for at least a half an hour. Choose a quiet place where you feel free and comfortable. Loosen your clothes, move around, stretch. Stretch like a cat. Now, be at ease and close your eyes if you wish. You're about to enter an uncanny world of your mind. You will discover how to tap your unconscious. You will find yourself bringing forth information and ideas which you may have forgotten or never realized you knew. How did existence come into being? Why is there something instead of nothing? What force caused the creation of the universe? Is existence an accident? Was existence planned? Who or what planned it? What else is planned? Does God exist? Do you have a soul? What happens to your soul when you die? Do you have a soul? Are you just a particular arrangement of particles? Do you have a soul? How much freedom do you really have? Does God exist? Would you be happier if you knew how existence really works? What do you know for sure? Remember your answer to that question. What do you know with absolute certainty? Ask simple questions, all of which elicit no answers. Is certainty even possible? It's very important to get rid of that illusion. Why do you think you have to have something to depend on? You cannot nail a peg into the sky. One thing is absolutely certain. We are being watched by beings from outer space. We have been seeded on this planet as sophisticated mobile cameras. We were planted here by the cartographers whose holy books are what we would recognize as maps. Our calling is to cover every inch of the planet's surface. As we roam, we vacuum data into our sensory organs, and it is for this reason only that we exist. 
The cartographers realized that the optimal method of achieving planet-wide map was to drop countless little rugged mobile devices that multiply quickly and carry themselves to all reaches of the globe. Patient cartographers pushed us out onto a spot on the surface and watched for millennia as we spread like ink over the planet until every region came under the watchful gaze of compact mobile sensors. At the moment of death, we awaken in the debriefing room. Here, our lifetime of data collection is downloaded and cross-correlated with the data of those who have passed before us. By this method, the cartographers integrate billions of viewpoints for a dynamic, high-resolution picture of the planet. Initially, the mobile camera engineers congratulated themselves on a job well done. They waited for us to spend lifetimes turning their data sensors on patches of ground the strata of rocks, the distribution of trees. And yet, despite the early success, the cartographers are profoundly frustrated. The mobile cameras collect very little that is useful for cartography. Instead, the devices turn their ingeniously created compact lenses directly into the gazes of other compact lenses. Day after day, with sinking hearts, the cartographers scroll through endless reels of useless data. The head engineer is fired. He has created an engineering marvel that only takes pictures of itself. Separate from your brain. Who is the thinker behind the thoughts? Thinker, thoughts, thinker. 
Does anything exist beyond your mind? I'd like to begin with a fact, a simple yet shocking fact. It is this. You are the only person who exists and everybody else is your dream. Nobody can prove that this isn't so. You are the only person who exists and everybody else is your dream. Nobody can prove that this isn't so. Are you alone in the universe? You are the only person who exists and everybody else is your dream. Nobody can prove that this isn't so. You are the only person who exists and everybody else is your dream. Nobody can prove this isn't so. The paranoia seems to... The paranoia seems to... The, the paranoia... Still rolling? Something dawned on you when you heard the children's song, Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Life is but a dream. You began to suspect that you were, perhaps, a butterfly dreaming it was a human. Or worse yet, a brain in a jar experiencing sights and sounds and smells and tastes. All of them dream stuff. And so you waited for death. In order to wake up in order to find out whether you really were a butterfly. Or just a brain in a jar. But it turns out, it, it is, is not, not life, life that, that is, is a dream. dream. It is death that is a dream. It is death that is a dream. Stranger still, it is not your dream. It is someone else's. It is someone else's. You now recall that your dreams always had background characters. The crowds in the restaurants, the knots of people in the malls and schoolyards, the other drivers on the road. Those actors... Those actors are the dead. Are the dead. It, it is, is the, the dead, dead who stand in the background, background playing their parts, parts allowing the dream, dream to, to feel real, real to, to the, the dreamer. dreamer. Deck 9, deck 2. Spock the bridge. Kirk here. Captain, there's some rather strange activity taking place here. Get to the bridge, Spock. Once more. The most important thing for anyone to realize is that you and every person you see will soon be dead. There's no doubt about it. You'll die. Do you think that's fair? It sounds so gloomy to us. Because we have devised a country fundamentally resisting death. Try and imagine what it will be like to go to sleep and never wake up. Think about that. Go to sleep and never wake up. Never wake up. Think about that. Is there an afterlife? Who said you're supposed to survive? Is this it? Is this all there is? 
In the moment of transition between life and death, only one thing changes. You lose the momentum of the biochemical cycles to keep the machinery running. You're still composed of the same thousand trillion trillion atoms. The only difference is that their neighbourly network of social interactions has ground to a halt. At that moment, the atoms begin to drift apart. The interacting pieces that once constructed your body begin to unravel like a sweater, each thread spiralling off in a different direction. Following your last breath, those thousand trillion trillion atoms begin to blend into the earth around you. As you degrade, your atoms become incorporated into new constellations. The leaf of a fern, a beetle's mandible. You're not gone. You're simply taking on different forms. Instead of your gestures being the raising of an eyebrow or a blown kiss, now a gesture might consist of a waving wheat stalk or seaweed playing on a lapping wave. In the form of a human, the atoms suffer a claustrophobia of size. Gestures are agonizingly limited, restricted to the foundering of tiny limbs. As a condensed human, the atoms cannot see around corners. They can only talk within short distances to the nearest ear. They cannot reach out to touch across any meaningful expanse. We are the moment of least facility for the atoms. And in the human form, they find themselves longing to ascend mountains, wander the seas, conquer the air, striving to recapture the limitlessness they once knew. Is anything constant? Is anything constant? Close your eyes. Does the world change when you are not observing it? What happens when you look away? The genesis of the universe consisted of the uneventful, accidental, hushed production of a single quark. For thousands of millennia, the solitary particle floated in silence. In silence. Eventually it shot forward in time. And looking back, 
realized it had left a single pencil stroke across the canvas of space-time. It raced back through time in the other direction. It raced back through time and saw that it had left another stroke. The single quark began to dash back and forth in time. It raced back through time. It shot forward in time, forth and back, back and forth. Slowly, a picture began to emerge. If it feels to you that we're connected by a larger whole, you're mistaken. You're mistaken. We're connected by a smaller particle. Every atom in your body is the same quark in different places at the same moment in time. Our little quark sweeps like a frenetic four-dimensional phosphor gun, painting the world. Each leaf on every tree, every coral in the oceans, each car tire, every bird carried on the wind. Everything you have ever seen, everything you have ever seen is a manifestation of the same quark racing around on a space-time superhighway of its own invention. Recently, the quark has realized that it has reached the limits of its energy. The quark has resigned itself to the fact that it can only keep the show going if it draws only those entities that are being observed by someone. That are being observed by someone. Under this energy conservation program, the great meadows and mountains are only drawn when there is someone there to look. Only drawn when there is someone there to look. There is nothing drawn under the sea surface. Where submarines do not travel. There are no jungles. Where explorers do not probe. As the decline continues, trees will have fewer leaves. Animals will be drawn with less detail. Someday, you will turn a familiar corner and find buildings missing. At some point, you may look through the missing walls of your bedroom to find your lover only half-drawn. As the quark slows, as the quark slows, its individual pencil strokes will become increasingly sparse until the world resembles a cross-hatched woodcut. The asphalt highways will become a sparse lacing of black strokes, with nothing below but the other side of the planet. Sparse lacing of black strokes, with nothing below. The world's canvas will devolve into a thin sketch of outlines. The remaining strokes, one by one, will disappear from the latticework. One by one. Drawing the cosmos towards a more complete blankness. Complete blankness. Blankness. Is the human intellect too limited to comprehend the true nature of reality? Well, frankly, I haven't given that much thought. Gosh, it would be awful pleasing to reason out the reason for things I can't explain. 
Is the three-dimensional world an illusion? No question about that. Some physicists think that everything we experience may be a hologram. Are they right? Is everything we see just a projection of information stored on a distant two-dimensional surface? How can something so counterintuitive be accurate? Yes, yeah, something's wrong, all right. Why doesn't existence make sense? Once you start thinking about things, you worry as to whether you've thought enough. Did you really take all the details into consideration? Was every fact properly reviewed? And by Jove, the more you think about it, the more you realize. You really couldn't take everything into consideration because all the variables are incalculable. This is the price you pay for being able to think about thinking. 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 Are there parallel universes in the subatomic microcosmos? I don't know the answer. Are there parallel universes in outer space? I do not wish to reveal the answer. If there are other universes, why does our universe trick us into thinking it's the only one? What is the explanation? Who knows? Don't be afraid. Just keep concentrating. 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 What is the ultimate nature of reality? Will we ever know the answer? Are current scientific ideas and theories wrong? Does it matter? What does matter? It doesn't matter whether you live or die. All clinging to life is hopeless. There's no safety in the cosmos. What is the best way to live your life? Be alert. Stay alert. Always choose a glamour base that looks a little darker than your own skin. Just dot it on your forehead, nose, and cheeks, and don't forget your throat. The fingertips should be spread apart. Cook in a skillet for five minutes, turning once to firm the flesh slightly. Do this three times a day for 14 days. In positive thoughts, picture beautiful things. Do not use the telephone. However, for beginners, there's only one fact to remember above everything. Provide some tranquilizers to ease the strain and monotony of life. A bottle of 100 should be adequate for a family of four. Serve hot or cold. At least one generous serving at each meal. Then your chances of living longer are multiplied a thousandfold. Why are we here? What is the meaning of life? As humans, we spend our time seeking big, meaningful experiences. So the afterlife may surprise you when your body wears out. We expand back into what we really are, which is, by Earth standards, enormous. We stand 10,000 kilometers tall 
in each of nine dimensions and live with others like us in a celestial commune. Our job is the maintenance and upholding of the cosmos. Universal collapse is imminent and we engineer wormholes to act as structural support. We labor relentlessly on the edge of cosmic disaster. If we don't execute our jobs flawlessly, the universe will re-collapse. Our work is complex, intricate, and important. After three centuries of this toil, we have the option to take a vacation. We all choose the same destination. We project ourselves into lower dimensional creatures. We project ourselves into the tiny, delicate, three-dimensional bodies that we call humans. And we're born onto the resort we call Earth. The idea on such vacations is to capture small experiences. On Earth, we care only about our immediate surroundings. We watch comedy movies. We drink alcohol and enjoy music. We form relationships, fight, break up, and start again. Form relationships, fight, break up. Form relationships, fight, break up. Form relationships, fight, break up. When we're in a human body, we don't care about universal collapse. Instead, we care only about the meeting of the eyes, the orientation of a houseplant, the shade of a paint stroke. Those are good vacations we take on Earth, replete with our little dramas and fusses. And when we're forced to leave by the wearing out of these delicate little bodies, it is not uncommon to see us lying in the breeze of the solar winds, tools in hand, looking out into the cosmos, searching for meaninglessness, for meaninglessness, for meaninglessness. between past, present, and future? Everything you have ever seen is the same quark in different places at the same moment in time. Could there have been a time before time? Can there be a beginning or an ending to something that is infinite? Why can't we conceptualize infinity? there was nothing before the beginning, what does that mean? What is nothing? The most real state is the state of nothing. That's what it's going to all come to. 
See how you feel at the prospect of vanishing forever. Complete blankness. Of all your efforts turning into dust, what is the feeling? Is there an edge to our universe? What is beyond that edge? Could some part of our universe expand to cosmic size and destroy everything? I believe that we're living in the last days. I think that we are just upon the horizon of some great tragedy. You are about to witness history in the making. If the Big Bang created as much antimatter as matter, where is all the antimatter now? What is dark matter? Is dark matter just matter in a parallel world? Why is there five times more dark matter than ordinary matter in the universe? What is dark energy? Why is dark energy getting stronger and stronger? Will the force of dark energy continue to increase until it tears every atom in the universe apart? When this occurs, let it. Just wait, and it will happen. Probably before this record ends. Will gravity cause space to stop expanding and collapse back on itself in a big crunch? And we think. Oh, oh, this is it. This is the end. And so we withdraw. Say, no, 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 not that. Not, not, not yet. Please. Will it all end? How will it all end? When will it all end? Yes, my friend. This might very well be the year. This could be the day. Until then, keep looking up. Search the heavens. Be alert at all times, and remember, truth has a habit of marching on. At some point... At some point... At some point... At some point, the expansion of the universe will slow down... Stop... And begin to contract. And at that moment, the arrow of time will reverse. Everything that happened on the way out will happen again, but backward. Everything will happen backward. Backward. In this way, our life neither dies nor disintegrates, but rewinds. Life rewinds. Rewinds. Were you ever all alone in a room when it was very still? Did you think you heard weird sounds? Were the sounds you heard really there?
Castles in the Air by Sarah Boothroyd. This is Making Waves, a program produced by New Adventures of Sound Art for WGXC. And the, the ethereal world of uh, the afterlife dovetails, of course, into the sounds of radio, which often evoke a sense of something coming from another or from another place unknown. And uh, this next piece is by David Jason Snow uses very low-frequency radio transmissions from the Earth's atmosphere, which for him cast a hypnotic spell when converted into audio. He calls the piece uh, Das Lied von der Magnetosphere, which incorporates naturally occurring spherics, tweaks, and whistlers, as well as artificial radio transmissions to emotionally connect the listener to the invisible physics of the planet.
Magnetosphere by David Jason Snow on WGXC. This is Making Waves, and uh, we're ending the show with uh, some sounds from Warbler's Roost, which is uh, four hours north of Toronto in the South River area, about half an hour drives west of Algonquin Park. And this is around 6 a.m. last Saturday. And of course, uh, listeners here at WGXC heard these sounds and others from around the world as it was International Dawn Chorus Day. Making Waves will return one month from now, on the second Saturday of every month, here on WGXC. (laughs) 